think anyone who's super good at one thing, that's their life, and then they're not well-rounded. That's why if you see any interview with an athlete and they have to talk about anything else, they just can't do it. (laughs) It's because they're robots. Or like Bruce Willis. If you talk to him, have you ever seen an interview with that guy? No. He's straight up crazy. He's an idiot. (laughs) He's so dumb. And you're like, but you did all these great movies and stuff. It's like, yeah, that's that's what he can do. He can't do that's anything it. else. He can like read a script and act. And even that he can't really do anymore because so many people, like I always say, once they get so famous, they forget what it's like to be a person and they get terrible. Like George Lucas, he had so much success and then they let him do whatever he want with that original, oh, with yeah. the new trilogy, not new, episodes one through three. And he could do whatever he wanted and they were terrible. Oh, well, we'll have to save that for... Another time when we discuss Star Wars. Yeah, another little teaser of what's coming up. (laughs) But welcome, world. This is I Love This. You should, too. You should, too. And my name is India Randawa, and with me is my lovely, cozy, full of hot chocolate co-host, Samantha Hees. Hot chocolate and wine. Hot chocolate and wine together? No, separately. Although there is a red wine hot chocolate uh, recipe that I've seen on the internet, and I'm very intrigued by it. It sounds terrible. It does sound terrible, but apparently it's like the best thing since anything delicious. Oh, it's the best thing since chicken and ribs. (laughs) Classic combination. So it's another one of those days where it's like 30-something below here in Edmonton. But we don't care. You know why? We we haven't left the house today. (laughs) We did. Oh, yeah. I guess we went to the library. (laughs) Because we had spicy burritos. That -hmm. makes you warm. We are at peak levels of coziness. I'm not wearing my cat onesie, but I do have fleece Ghostbusters pajamas that are right out of the dryer. Andy has the best collection of pajamas. I have some pretty good pajamas. And I drank so much hot chocolate. I drank a big mug of it, but it was all milk and then this mint hot chocolate powder. And it was so thick and like creamy that I'm super full from hot chocolate. <laughs> and I probably shouldn't have drank all that much, but ooh. So good. It's hard to stop. I have a hot chocolate hangover now. Oh, no. I was feeling a little loopy during it. Were you? Creaminess and sugar, maybe. I don't know. Oh, so good. (laughs) It's the perfect feel for making notes for the podcast. Oh, yeah. We have a podcast. We're not just talking about how cozy we are. No, no. This is cozy time with Indy and Sam. I will save it for our other podcast where we just give you little tips like... Keep a burrito in your pocket. It'll keep you warm. And then it'll be a delicious snack. That's a life hack for you guys. You know how I love life hacks. Let's not talk about I don't want to talk about life hacks. Real life hack? Be born rich. Everything will be easier. <laughs> oh, yeah. So podcast. Um, what's this podcast about, Sam? Well, one of us will bring the other person something that they love. Um, and then we will watch it together. And then we discuss why or why not the other person didn't love it or loved it. Yeah. So today it's going to be your turn and you're going to bring something to me. Yes. Very excited. But before we do that, we do a little pick of the week because it's just going to be an intro to your big pick for next week. So let's talk about what we've been watching, listening, reading recently. What have you been up to? Um, Well, I'm sure no one is surprised, but I've been completely uh, obsessed with Netflix's new show, Cheer. Oh, and that's just about being happy. No, 
No, what's it about? There's a lot of not happy people in that show. Uh, It is about um, a junior college in Texas, in Corsicana, Texas, the Navarro Bulldogs. And if you're part of the cheer world, you know Navarro. Oh, yeah. Navarro is big time. Navarro is big time. I even know Navarro. Um, And they are one of the best programs in the country. Um, and are one of the few junior colleges or community colleges uh, that have a like winning cheer team. Are they your favorite team? Um, I'd say they are my favorite at the college level, yes. Oh, who's your favorite overall? Um, I don't know that I have a favorite overall. You know me, Great White Sharks. Great Whites, yes. That's Netflix's life. other sh- cheer show uh, <laughs> called Cheer Squad. Um, which Not is, as good of a show, but a, a team that I like more. No, and Cheer is definitely for a different audience mm. than Cheer Squad was. Cheer Squad is a little bit more juvenile and a little bit more for like uh, children who are involved in cheerleading. More like what we would typically think of as a reality TV show, while Cheer may be more on along the lines of documentary? It's very much a documentary, yes. Um, so the show over six episodes follows the 2018-2019 Navarro team as they are gearing up to defend their back-to-back national titles and win their 14th overall national title. Do community colleges and junior colleges compete against NCAA teams, or that's a completely different thing? They, it's like different categories. Yes. Yeah. So, um, just Navarro, like in all the sports. Yeah. So, like Navarro competes against uh, Turner Valley Turner Valley Community College, mm-hmm. which is like in the kind of the same type of school. So, um, cheer is very complicated in how they split up um, teams in every, I guess, league. So, like, there's college cheerleading, and then there's high school cheerleading, and all-star, um, and then there's, like, teams like uh, the Dallas Cowboys, um, so there's, like, show cheer teams like that, um, and they are all very complicated in how they're kind of leveled and the rules and that kind of thing, so it's it's kind of hard to explain. So we know that you, of course, love cheerleading. I do. But if someone is not a big cheerleading fan, what's the appeal of this show? So... I was a little um, unsure of how it would be for someone who, like, doesn't know the sport or might have preconceived notions about the sport, because there's definitely a stereotype. Um, And uh, I was really excited. I knew that I'd probably enjoy the show unless they did something, like, really bad with it. Um, But I was really surprised to see uh, it does a really good job of um, kind of explaining the sport um, to a person who might not know it. And it also does a really good job of showcasing just how hardworking these athletes are. Yeah, I think that's a good sign of a good documentary that you don't have to be interested in the subject matter ahead of time. It's done in such a way, the storytelling, the mm-hmm. the characters, the humanity of the people in it is showcased in a way that that's what makes you interested in whatever the subject is. Yes, it's kind of like a crash course in collegiate cheerleading. Um, And it really showcases just how hard and specialized the athletes are, Mm -hmm. like, and how hard they work and the different kinds of things um, that can affect them. So, like, they talk about, like, mental blocks. Um, They talk about injuries. They talk about concussions. They talk about, um, like, different kinds of societal pressures because a lot of these athletes um, that go to cheer at Navarro are kind of cheerleberties um, on social media. 
Cheerleopardies. I know that the movie franchise Bring It On has taught you that you can just put cheer as a prefix into any word, but you can't. <laughs> Although I kind of like cheerleopardies. That's pretty good. It's been a term for like a decade. Um, so th- these people have a following already. And uh, one of the things that they really talk about in this, um, with especially with one of the athletes who's been famous since she was like 10, um, she, Who is that? Gabby Butler. Oh, Gabby Butler. I know you're a big Gabby Butler fan. <laughs> I am. I'm more of an Angel Rice fan. I know she's old school to you kids these days, but <laughs> that's where my allegiances lie. Okay, well, um, we won't fight about that on the podcast. But um, Gabby talks about all the kind of the online bullying that she gets and um, the amount of scrutiny that she's put up um, where she explains it like if the team – doesn't do well at a competition. Oh, it's Navarro. Navarro didn't do well at the competition. But if she were to fall out of some tumbling or, like, one of her stunts didn't go and she, like, clearly didn't do a good job, um, it's Gabby Butler. It's not Navarro. It's Gabby Butler didn't do it well. And Gabby Butler isn't as good as she used to be. And so then she gets a lot of backlash for that. So she talked about the pressure to be perfect all the time in, like, the public eye. And I think it's really cool that she's been able to create kind of, like, a, a business out of being a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you were telling me a lot about the show earlier, it seems to focus more on the interpersonal stuff and mm-hmm. cheerleading is just kind of a package that all of this is yes. in. And it reminded me a lot of the uh, Netflix documentary series Last Chance You, which is a really good football documentary. It's, a, again, about a community college mm-hmm. and it follows them through a couple of seasons and it's very well done, but it's the same people that did it? Yes. It is the same director, Greg Whiteley, who um, kind of found cheerleading while doing Last Chance You and um, was really excited to be able to kind of explore the sport more um, through this new show. Hmm. That's really interesting. It makes me want to watch this show because I haven't seen Cheer. No. I saw like a second of it. I think you walked into the room while I was watching it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to check that out. And also, maybe you should check out Last Chance You. I think I might have to. Maybe that'll be a little mini pick of the week oh, for me. Yeah. Is Everyone go watch Last Chance You. Especially the first season was, was very good. Um, one of the other things that I liked about it, just one last thing, um, is that they really dig into uh, kind of the backstories of a lot of these athletes. And a lot of these athletes who have ended up at this community college um, don't have, like, happy beginnings. So there's a lot of crime. There's a lot of parents who weren't good parents. Um, there's one athlete who lived out of the back of his car with his mom, um, and she did absolutely everything she could to keep him human cheer, and nobody at the gym ever knew that they lived in their car. Um, and there's a girl who was arrested for um, some kind of, uh, altercation and uh, this cheer coach at Navarro saw something in her and uh, like basically helped her turn her life around. It's it's really like there's a lot of really touching stuff that happens. And I think that was the part that made it sound most like Last Chance You because yeah. it, it seems to frame these kids as that, right? Because yes. with Last Chance You, a lot of them were convicted criminals and you get caught up in like, well, do they deserve a second chance? They're criminals. But then you kind of realize like, These are children, really. They're 17, 18, 19 years old. And uh, there's a lot of pressure on them being these cheerleaders or football players. And you kind of forget that. They're kids that have to go to class and things like that, too. Yeah. There was a lot of really cool things um, 
from like a cheer aspect where there was like traditions that they do and they talk about cheer editions is that what you said no traditions oh i i call them cheer editions but you know it's just me <laughs> when they practice outside nobody walks up or down the stairs they all either jump or carry each other like down the stairs um just for like it's just a cheer edition like superstition um a cheer station fine <laughs> super cheer no are you done maybe <laughs> The big competition that they go to is in Daytona, Florida, um, at the band shell that's right on the beach. And they spend four days in Daytona before the competition, and nobody is allowed to touch the ocean until they win. Hmm. So if they don't go home with a trophy, no one goes in the ocean the entire Daytona trip. It's funny. There's a lot of things like that that I'm familiar with from yeah, like so other sports worlds. I, I like to see what they are in different sports. I love the, like, yeah, that lore and that, like, kind of superstitious uh like we're not gonna win if someone goes in the ocean and like they even the coach says during it she's like i'm not sure even when we started to do that but now it's something that's been passed down from like generation to generation to generation of navarro cheerleaders and now it's just a thing we don't do Mm. (laughs) and coach of navarro is dave navarro from jane's addiction no (laughs) no it's monica aldana and she is amazing i wish i was her when i grow up because she's just when you grow up yeah how much older than you is she um i think she's probably like 50 okay yeah so when you're 50 you grow up when you're 50 you're not grown up now no when i grow up i want to be her okay yeah. When do you think someone is grown up? I don't know. <laughs> when you've achieved what you want to achieve in your life. Oh, I think that's when you die. <laughs> that's when you stop growing is when you have achieved everything. She hasn't achieved everything she wants to or else she wouldn't still be going. True. Very true. She would have retired. Yeah. So it's it's neat to see someone else coach a team and really how they approach some of the stuff that like I see as a coach as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everyone should go watch Cheer. I could continue just talking about this forever. And it's on Netflix? It's on Netflix. Um, I think it just came out like a week or two ago. So um, everyone go watch it. All right. So, Indy, what, what are you into this week? So maybe not so much this week, but in the last, it's probably been a good three months or so, I have been watching. I'm really on top of what's new. <laughs> I finally, I'm like, this came out last week, and you're like, mm. I just got into Mad Men. I'm actually not sure when Mad Men came out. It's been out for a few years. It's been over for a few years. I tend not to watch a lot of new series. I like to wait, wait until something is completely over, and then I'll go watch them all. But Mad Men, I thought, it kind of been on my radar for a while. I always hear people say, like, oh, it's one of the best shows ever made. And I was like, eh. To me, it looked like... Um, it's going to be a lot of style, people are dressed fancy, and then it's going to be a lot of like, uh, we're men, we drink all the time and we slap our secretaries on the butts. Ha ha ha, manliness. That's what it kind of seemed like to me. What's your take on it? Because you haven't, you have or you haven't seen it? I think I've seen a couple episodes. I don't, I've never sat down and like watched it. What's your take on it? What do you think it's about? Um, Or like what kind of show it is? I think it's, like I know it's about advertising Mm-hmm. And, um, like, I think there's some women's rights stuff that happens in there and um, lots of scotch during the day. Yeah. And none of that is wrong. And that's definitely what it presents most on the outside. But it got to be so much more than that. And I think Mad Men might be one of the best TV shows ever made. Oh. It is 
so good, it's nuts. Like I, I just want to keep watching it, and I just watched seven seasons of it, <laughs> and I just want more. I know you were saying I want to start it over again. Yeah, it was so good. I want to go back and watch it, and knowing what happens to watch the growth. So I guess when I first started it, the style is what gets you first of all. It starts in the late fifties and ends in the early seventies, but they don't go too over the top with it. I right. feel like maybe in the first season it's a little bit of look how wacky things were, and they show that and showcase it a little bit more. But it just becomes part of it. But if you watch the show, it's beautiful to look at. It's very well constructed and shot, and everything is very well thought out. Uh, the main character is probably who you hear most about. It's uh, Don Draper, played yes. by John Hamm. Yes. John Hamm has also turned into my favorite cameo actor of this generation. You said that when we were out the other night. Yeah, he always does like just one scene on all sorts of TV shows. And he doesn't take himself seriously at all. He has a lot of fun, does all sorts of wacky stuff. And he's he's so funny because of it. But there's not a lot of humor in this performance. <laughs> but it's brilliant. I think that is the best word for it. It's simply brilliant, his performance. And when I saw him at first, I was like, okay, I get it. He's um, he's a very Freudian symbol. He is America. He's late 20th century masculinity and capitalism. And But then you follow it through and you realize that he's just a fully realized person. He's flawed and he's he's human. Everyone in this show is so human. And what I love about it is... There'll be a character that you see in the background for maybe like three seasons mm -hmm. and they don't really have many lines and then things happen and they suddenly just become one of the main characters <laughs> and they become fully fleshed out. You see people who are kind of one dimensional because you only see them through someone else's eyes. But the more and more we see them, we get to realize that everyone has something going on. Yeah. And I think uh, the writers of this show realize something that I wish people would realize that if you... Uh, talk to your server if your uber driver whatever it is we have this idea of them that this is what they are but you don't know that everyone has so much more everyone is a person like you they have this full backstory and the writers of this show are able to put that on screen mm -hmm. better than anyone else mm -hmm. because just everyone feels so complete i love that it's not a twist based show there's no uh, big shocks there is like maybe one big reveal at one point, but it doesn't even go into a twist. Rather, it just goes to show why a character is the way they are. I think one of the biggest things you're going to see about it is the representation of women in it. Yes. Because I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, I'm not going to watch that. That's just misogynistic. And it's like, but you have you seen it? And they're like, no, I saw an episode. And they're like, yeah, those guys who are just going to slap their secretaries on the butt. And absolutely, that's a type of thing that happens in a good part of this show. But there seems to be this kind of hindsight that we give a lot of characters that if we're writing something now about an office in the 50s, it's going to go two ways. First, it could be either the type of show that like glamorizes this and people are like, ah, yeah, the good old days, which I feel like some shows or movies like um wolf of wall street almost kind of get into like yeah they're bad but it's glamorous so you think it's cool or it goes the other way and they have the hindsight of modern writers and every character in it is kind of like woke from our generation yeah. so they're like oh we don't do this yeah we're pro civil rights yeah women's lib but clearly that wasn't the case in 1959 because if that was the case the civil rights movement wouldn't have needed to happen right right so 
this is very grounded in the people are like that. They are what you would expect of it. So, for instance, there's one character who tends to be very likable, and they're probably a fan favorite. And then maybe six seasons in, you find out, oh, yeah, they're, they hate black people, though. Oh. And that makes sense. Because... Back then. If it's 1965, you have an office that's all white people, yeah, a bunch of them are going to hate black people. That's the reality. That's the sad reality of things. If we watch a show of our generation 30 years from now... And everyone here is like, oh, we're all for gay marriage. Every single person here. Clearly, that's not the case. No. We have a tendency of shows or movies from the past that only the real villains are racist. But that's not the case. The average person in 1950 is pretty pretty racist. racist. That's just how it is. It's just like how everyone who goes back and looks at their genealogy, everyone's like, oh, yeah, my family's all from Germany. But they were in the resistance. Really was everyone's family in the resistance because uh, I think a lot of them weren't. Statistically not. (laughs) So I like the way it deals with it. Like, yes, there are characters that are misogynists. Absolutely, that's true. But that's that's the world, Mm -hmm. you know. But also there are female characters who are shown to be relegated because that they're women, but they Mm -hmm. have the abilities to go beyond that. Right. Some of them do go beyond that. Some of them aren't able to because they struggle so much. Mm-hmm. Some of them succeed, but you know what? They're also assholes. Yeah. Because sometimes just because you're in a marginalized group doesn't mean you can't be an asshole too. True. Very so true. So I just like how realistic and fully formed that all of these characters are. One of the things that I was excited about when you started watching Mad Men was um, I think I had said like, oh, I've heard the fashion is really good in that. Oh, and it definitely is. And I the couple of times that I came in while you were watching it um, over the three months, which was kind of multiple times, um, I was always really impressed by mm. what I saw because um, they did a really good job of dressing them exactly like to a T of what everyone would have worn back then. So there was no like historically inaccurate kind of dressing or hairstyling or anything like that. They Mm -hmm. went the extra mile to make sure that it looked very much of the time. Yeah, I read a list of the historical inaccuracies of the show. And the only one I remember about something physical is that in the first season, they have rotary phones that have clear plastic covers. And that didn't exist for another three years. Oh, wow. But everything is like, yeah, it's spot on. But yeah, so that's my pick of the week. Go watch it. It's a, yes, it is a show about the advertising industry. It's a show about America. It's a show about humanity. It's kind of a show about men who desperately want to change and they want to have control. And many of them ultimately fail. It's a show about women who are marginalized simply because they're women. They're held back. They struggle. Sometimes they succeed. Sometimes the struggle is too much for them to overcome because, yeah, that's the world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I like that it takes years for these characters to change a lot of the time. Absolutely. Because so often we see someone, they, they meet somebody new and now they're a different person. And especially in TV shows that last for many years, they just kind of switch on a dime like that. And so many of these characters try to change and fail and they go back to their old ways and then you feel let down in them some change some don't because you know that's like how things are that's just life yeah i love that uh yeah change in the show takes years 
because growth is slow and it's not guaranteed and it's really well represented in this show yeah absolutely Mad Men, it's a uh, clinic on character writing <laughs> if you have seven years to write characters. Yeah. Any other show, characters get stale by that point. Absolutely. That's a long time to continue on the same characters. And these characters, the way they grow and regress is truly amazing. And that's the strength of this show. So go check it out. Okay. Maybe I will. Well, now let's get down to the reason we are here. <laughs> and it's to find out what movie we are going to be watching next week so last time i had picked pan's labyrinth and i told you i loved it and you should too and you ultimately did i did yes but now what do you have for me so indy what are you doing tonight uh well i'm probably sleeping off that giant hot chocolate i had do you have about four and a half hours to lend me i do not oh are we doing another four hour one <laughs> yes what is we it are. titanic 2 titanic 2 yes return to the sea that actually sounds good <laughs> that actually sounds like it would be a movie um so i wanted to kind of go in the same vein of titanic where there are these super movies that like been her everyone knows and it's something that has kind of maybe not stood the test of time but has continued to be a big cultural kind of moment for the world all right i'm listening <laughs> um so the reason i picked this movie is because um it's a classic mm -hmm. i'd say it's a huge movie as soon as i say it, you're already gonna know a lot about it mm -hmm. um and it's uh a movie that was very groundbreaking for its time. I know it's either one of three movies. Okay. What do you think it is? Ben-Hur. Okay. Ten Commandments. Okay. Gone with the Wind. So you're correct on the last one. We're going to be watching Gone with the Wind. All right. Because those are three of the big ones that I've never seen. And I just... Oh, Lawrence of Arabia is the other one. Oh, okay. Could have been that. Have you seen that? No. Uh, we'll save that for our Lawrence of Arabia podcast. But no, I've never seen Gone with the Wind. It always seemed like one of those movies to me, like, it's big. I tend not to like really big movies, mm -hmm. so that put me off. The time, are you joking that it's four hours or is it actually four hours? Uh, no, it's about four hours and 28 minutes. Four hours and 28 minutes? Are you fucking serious? That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's like three movies. That is like three movies. Oh, wow. Okay, well, at one point, I was going to do um, one of the Trois Couleurs movies, and I was going to do Blue. Now I'm just going to do all three, because it's the same length as this. <laughs> but anyways, um, it seemed like too big. It seemed like it's popular because of its size and spectacle, and those often don't appeal to me. But I know a little bit about it. I know the, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I know it's post-Civil War. Yes? Uh, it's kind of towards the end of the Civil War. And it's like Southern Belle kind of stuff, right? Yes. It's Clark um, Gable. It's Clark Gable. It's Vivian Lee. It's David O. Selznick. David O. Selznick, yep. The O stands for nothing, apparently. Oh, I didn't know that. He just liked having a middle initial in his name. Oh, like the, David X. Cohen. The O stands for nothing. It's just like... Well, that's maybe zero. Oh, maybe. Um, he just added it in because it sounded cool. It does. For the longest time, I thought it was like O'Donnell, O'Selznick. Oh, because like the way a, I always like hear an it. apostrophe. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't see it written. I always just hear about David O'Selznick. O'Selznick. Yeah, actually. And I was like, that well, makes Selznick more doesn't sense. sound Irish. That's no. weird. 
<laughs> no, but that that actually makes more sense. Um, so the like one of the reasons I picked this is because it does a really good job of illustrating, um, the Civil War from a like a person who didn't go fight the Civil War. Like it's not a war movie per se. There's lots of war in it, but this is. Um, and I think they say it's the end of an era that'll never exist again, which is good. The, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so it's the end of kind of the rich plantation owner. It's the end of slavery. Um, and uh, it's the end of this idyllic world that the main character, Scarlett O'Hara, uh, grows up in. And um, it's kind of her coming of age story where she learns to be kind of an independent woman and how to like run her own life and make her own decisions after being kind of coddled in this like fantasy world of ball gowns and picnics and um like happy idyllic time is it hey there's this big civil war and so many die and lose and gain freedom but really what about this rich lady what's it do to her is it kind of like that really um it does have a little bit to do uh like with that but she ends up being a really good character um just in how she comes through her story and i don't want to i don't want to ruin too much of sure, it yeah i i kind of want you to see that um transformation happen but i definitely think that um it's a neat character transition all right well we'll save all that for next week yes. but when did you first see this movie oh god um Probably, I think I was like 10, 11. You were 10 and you sat through five hours of this? Yeah. In one sitting? In one sitting. Whoa. In a theater? No. Okay. No. Um, it was at home. So it may not have been in one sitting. We might have paused it. and like, Great. Because it came at that time in VHS. Yeah. Was, was it two or three or four? two VHS. Only two. That's impressive. Yes. Um, and it's really funny because this film is so long, you get an intermission and i have seen this in the theater i went and saw it um at like when cineplex plays like classic movies and stuff how many times have you seen it oh probably five or six five or six yeah and it's that long whoa yeah whoa um it's one of those ones that's kind of always on tv around the holidays so when i was like in university or i'd be home on a break or something um it would just kind of be on tv and you just sit down and watch some of it i have never in my life just come across this on television really no oh i feel like i see it like almost every i saw it this year on tv I didn't watch it, but I, I remember we don't seeing even it in the listing. TV. No, but I go places that have TV. <laughs> <laughs> I remember coming across it and seeing it in the listing and then us being like, oh, no, I can't watch that. It's four hours long. Oh, and I bet on TV it's probably like eight hours long. Yeah, it's like a full day of programming. Seeing it in the theater, though, there was like – there is an actual intermission scene where there's like – an overture for the inter intermission. Yeah, like we saw My Fair Lady recently in the theater, and they do that as yes, well. Yes, yeah. But everyone gets to get up and go and get more snacks. So it was like everyone came back with a full, fresh set of movie snacks because, yeah. because we were only two hours into this movie. I would just get a full meal at that point or take yeah. a nap. That's too long. It was, uh, it was pretty good, though. It was really cool to see it on the big screen, for sure. When was the last time you saw it? That was probably the last time I saw it. How long ago was that? Uh, like three or four years ago. Okay, so we're probably not in a Bride Wars situation where you're like, this is great, and then you watch and ooh, it's terrible. No. You're pretty I, confident. It's I good. can recognize flaws with it. Like, there is some stuff that just does not um, kind of age well. Well, it's from, what, like 
35, 36? Yeah. So it's it's from a time where some of this stuff was a little more acceptable than it actually is now. Oh, I bet it's super racist. It's about the Civil War and it's from 1936. Um, so the novel is 1936. It was... Oh. Um, in 1939 39 okay when it was adapted so um but yeah no like all of that stuff was very much still a like a thing mm-hmm. so now watching it it seems very dated but if you can kind of step back from like how we think of some of that stuff societally by that stuff are we all talking racism or is there other stuff too there's some other stuff there's like treatment of women and stuff that oh isn't. yeah I bet. so if you can kind of forget your 2019 self and really watch it as someone maybe from the early 1900s, it's a little bit more um, easy to get swept up in it. It's in color, too, right? It is in color, yeah. Is it Technicolor? I believe so. I'm really curious about that. I'm excited to watch five minutes of this movie because I want to see what it looks like, mm-hmm. what the film stock actually looks like. And the cinematography, because I think it's a big, grand movie. It is a huge, grand movie, yeah. But I actually don't know what happens in it. I think something burns down at some point. Atlanta. Oh. (laughs) It's back. What? It's back. What? I went. It's it's fun. It's still there? Yeah. Well, I guess you have family that lives there. I assume that they live in Atlanta. (laughs) So this was um, being filmed at the same time that Wizard of Oz was. Wow. So if that kind of gives you uh, what it's gonna look like. a feeling of what it's going to look like. Um, it's definitely not as colorful. Um, no, but what is? But what is as colorful? Because they really went all out on that Technicolor. Yeah. Um, they even, you know how it's sepia when she like opens the door into the colored world? Yes. They just painted everything brown. Really? Yeah. Oh, so they didn't... I just want to talk about Wizard of Oz. Can we do that instead? I'd watch that again. <laughs> no. That's a watching... great movie. We are watching Gone with the Wind. <laughs> We can watch Wizard of Oz another time. Okay. You'll do a bonus episode on that. Um, So I don't want to spoil too much for you, um, but this, like, I know the North Winds. I know that part already. Yeah, that's history. Yeah. (laughs) That's not, like, something that you wouldn't know if you didn't watch this movie. Some people. I don't know. I've been to, like, Alabama. They're not, not everyone there knows. Oh, okay. A lot of Confederate flags flying. Yikes. Um, So this movie um, had... a few kind of firsts. Um, So it was one of the first big epic films like this. It was the first time an African-American actress won an Academy Award. Mm -hmm. That was uh, Hattie... McDaniel. Yeah. For Best Supporting Actress. Right. It is... But she wasn't even allowed... Did she go to the awards? I don't know. I think she wasn't allowed in. Oh, really? Or she wasn't allowed in the hotel or something like that, but... Either way, go on. <laughs> um, and it has been in the top 10 of the American Film Institute's top 100 American films since it was started in 1998. So it's like, this is like... Oh, I'm familiar with those lists. Are you? Very. <laughs> AFI top 100? Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not surprised at all. So I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on this. If you tear it apart, um, I'll be a little sad, but <laughs> I'm a little used to it by now. Um, I think that you'll be able to see some really good uh, good stuff in it. I think you'll pick out some stuff that I might not have even seen. Maybe I'll fall asleep. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> For these answers and more, tune in next week. Next week. <laughs> I am kind of excited to watch it. Yeah. I'm excited to see some, but... 
I gotta be honest, I'm not excited for five hours of movie. Four um, and a half hours. So it's actually crazy. <laughs> I did the math here. Um it is three point nine six hours. Four hours. So four. Um but that includes the intermission music, the overture, and the um like the ending music as well. Oh awesome. So it's really just like three hours and forty five minutes. Yes. Great. <laughs> I'm trying to make this better for you. <laughs> you can make it better for me by choosing 90-minute movies. I did choose a few 90-minute movies, and now we're back to the hard stuff. <laughs> so many long ones. So many. Bring it on. In it to win it was only 90 minutes. Yeah, but that felt like two and a half hours. <laughs> well, do you think there are many people out there who haven't seen it other than you? Yeah, I think a lot of people haven't because I know it is widely regarded. And I think of movies from the like 30s, it's probably the most well known and probably maybe outside of uh, Wizard of Oz. Yes. But I still think a lot of people haven't seen it now. Okay, well, if you haven't seen it and are going to watch it this week, I'm pretty sure that you'll be able to find it at your library. Uh, So if you want to email us with your thoughts about the epic that is Gone with the Wind, uh, you can email us at I love this, you should, and the number two at gmail.com. You can tweet or Instagram us at ILTYS and the number two, or you can find us on Facebook and join the discussion at I love this, you should, two dash podcast. Are you ready, Andy? Yeah, this movie's going to take like a whole desa day to watch. <laughs> you and your metric time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, too long for a movie. Okay, well, let's go prepare ourselves to watch this. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to watch it in two rounds. Um, Good idea. It, the intermission is kind of a nice place to end it. It's very much act one and act two. Um, the way that it's structured. So if you stop at an intermission, you won't be confused when you start again. Have fun watching. We'll see you next week when we discuss Indy's reaction to Gone with the Wind. Bye, everyone. Goodbye.